Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie. That's confusing. Where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth outside and inside your business. See that? It's like a spot the difference. What was different? That's like a great pattern interrupt. <laughs> Do you like that? It's like people are like, that doesn't sound right. Today, I'm actually excited for this episode. Talking about things that might not exist in the future, Charlie. You know, one thing that I was thinking, I'm like, no matter what happens, this will exist into the future. Or this is a business that will exist. Do you know what it is? I don't. Have any ideas? Nothing. Got nothing for you. Is there any business that we're running that's just like, this thing's like infinite? The bookkeeping business. The bookkeeping business. business. (laughs) So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, you guys have a bookkeeping business? The answer is yes. Yes, we do. Head over to knowthescorefinance.com and check out. If uh, you don't actually know the score, you might need some bookkeeping help, Charlie. It's all about- Your bookkeeper is likely trash. You should be using us instead. It will significantly help you run a better business. I'm just going to say how it is. Amen to that. Let's get a disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, there's something that has been getting a lot of traction online in recent times that sparked some interesting thoughts and discussions, which is chat GPT. I thought you were going to talk about my jokes, but that's fine. Also sparked a lot of discussion? (laughs) (laughs) It seems like it's not as entertaining. That's fine. I get it. I get it. Maybe one day we'll do an episode all about my jokes. I'm going to put it out there. Artificial intelligence is almost as hypey as Bitcoin was in the way. You know what I would love to see? The the uptake curve of like crypto to AI. I think that ChatGPT would have a higher uptake than crypto did. I wonder how many people were crypto experts that are now been waiting for something to get involved with that are now <laughs> AI. Just jumping to the next one. Yeah. Come on, let's go. I mean, they had to find something to do, didn't they? <laughs> oh, shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Gosh, I touching that. I have actually considered this is definitely not financial advice, but um, now might be the perfect time to start investing in crypto because everyone hates it. Because so everyone's, much. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that whole blood on the streets thing. Totally. Second, my dad starts talking to me about AI, I'm out. <laughs> Before we dig into it, have you had a chance to play with chat GPT yet? Totally. Totally. Are you impressed by it? Thoroughly. Thoroughly. The way that my brain understands neural nets and sort of quite a bit of machine learning and AI, like it, it is impressive. Uh, and if you actually get to use OpenAI's playground, which is what ChatGPT was built on top of, it's even more fascinating because it can actually go and query things as well. And so actually just playing with this model to query things real time where ChatGPT is like just scrape stuff and it just plays it back, opens up so much more opportunity. And I'm just like... This is an impressive thing. This is going to help a lot of people that needed help a long time ago that should have got some help. Do you feel it's a positive for humanity? Yes. It, it's funny. Uh, do you want to go down the whole road of like, will AI take over society and stuff? Not at all. It's good. Uh, so do I think from a productivity, positivity output, 110%, this is the right thing to do. I actually think as a civilization, if we didn't support this change, uh, I think we'll, other people would use it in a negative way. I think that society using it is a good thing. I, I do too. I actually think this is going to be an enhancement like the internet was. Great example. Yeah, I, I, I really do. One of the things that's disturbed me a little bit, or I should say I'm unhappy with, it's not that it disturbed me, I'm just like I wish we thought about it, is that some of the schools in Australia are already putting bans on it. Oh my gosh, isn't that the worst idea ever? Where they're just like, oh, you just can't use it. And you're like, I. Oh, you do you, you realize how behind <laughs> our kids will be on a world stage if the, all the other kids are leaning into technology totally. and we're not? <laughs> totally. And then the argument comes out, but they won't learn. They need to learn. And I go, do you feel when we were growing up, the kids that didn't use the internet are at an advantage today? 
<laughs> no, really. S- same thing. You know what? One of the things oh, I can't remember who I was talking to that I loved. So AI is, is amazing if you ask it the right questions. But the challenge that a lot of people have is they don't know the right questions to ask. Right. And I actually look at this going, this is actually going to teach kids how to ask better questions. Well, isn't this what happened to Google? Think about how it shaped the way we search. When I was doing SEO, one of the fascinating things, it was like 20% or 25% of all search terms that were being put into Google had never been searched before because people were just getting longer in their search terms in order to get more context into it. And so Google was like, oh my gosh, this is just so fascinating. And so this is AI is now going, well, you can just adapt to this thing to be contextually relevant. And I'm like, yep, it's all about the questions, Charlie. And I reckon kids need to ask some good questions. This is what I find uh, fascinating. So this sparked some interesting discussion between you and I around what businesses are potentially not going to exist five years from now. Like, is this another technology wave that is coming along just like the internet, where things are going to change in a big way. So as a yes or no, right, as a yes or no question. I'll try my best. (laughs) Do you feel that what we're seeing now with a broadly token AI is the next wave? Yes, it is. It it will be the next wave. Interesting. My view and opinion is the same. I've uh, already stated it on this podcast, but I'm like, I have seen enough now where I'm convinced this is like an internet level inflection point. It it totally is. I I was hopeful that it would have been uh, crypto with blockchain technology and things. I think that the interesting thing that I struggled with was seeing the utility change or the utility implementation of blockchain technology versus how much has already been innovated with like chat gpt that came out like a very short period of time ago and i'm like it has to be the next thing so in answer yes yes we got we got <laughs> i found this really interesting that in a lot of people's minds what occurs when they see something like this is they play out the terminator and i know i love it yeah so they they go from like they've seen something that it can occasionally get something right in a chat conversation because that's where it's at right it's not perfect right now it sometimes does something that's awesome i'm at about a half strike rate sometimes it does what i want and half the time it doesn't give me anything near close to what i think it will do but the point being is they look at this and just go well like all the jobs are gone humanity's going to be lost like i can't believe this you know like they really play out an end of days thing that isn't in a positive light totally but do you remember when people were saying the same thing about the internet? Completely. It was like all these jobs are going to disappear. Oh, I still remember when it was like uh, the office is going to become paperless and then they created more paper. <laughs> I think they're using more paper than ever now. <laughs> they totally do. Like, how many people do you know that read books are like, man, I'd prefer the physical book than uh, Kindle. Like, It's like, sure, it's a utility, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't change as much as people think it really will. Well, that's where I feel we're going to see the same things. Totally. So if we play this out in Charlie's theory here, what I feel has just happened is like the internet's gone mainstream again, to use an analogy. Totally. Right? The people who win or the businesses that win um, in a big way are the ones that lean into these tools and use them as an enhancement, which I think is a really interesting idea. And I know we've got some really cool examples of this as we dig deeper into it. So the idea being, and I love this to use an analogy within an analogy, this could potentially become like an Iron Man suit. This is where theoretically, if you're any form of company, you could be enhancing your employees or doing things in a way which you actually, are, from a productivity gain, benefiting immensely. It's totally. You're going to be able to do more with less, just like what happened with the internet. Totally. And have you ever seen um, in more recent times uh, some of the videos of like the Amazon automated factories? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once upon a time, like every factory was full of people, whether it was a manager, a stock counter, people physically moving goods, and like that's all changed. But do you know, so here you go, I was at university and I was, uh, I worked at, I think it was Woolworths Hume Distribution Center and I was like literally like you get a Kleenex truck, Coke truck, et cetera, and what it would do is it would put all the pellets of food and it would put it up into racking and one person's job of like, tens of people would have to pull apart that it would go into a sorting machine and then the other group of people would have to put them on pellets for Woolworth stores right and there was a massive strike that would happen every year about how much Woolworths would continue to automate these things 
And I'm sitting there like in my mastering entrepreneurship university degree. I'm like, guys, like this is inevitable. How can you not see this coming? But I'm like, I'm just here as a casual worker. And it was just always this thing where it was like a knee-jerk reaction was like, no, you can't change this. This is how it has to be. And it's like, well, no, you can't stop innovation. And what happens is like, well, no, sorry, here's some automation. No, sorry, here's some automation. And so it's going to be the same thing with this is everyone's going to have a knee-jerk reaction of like, no, you can't do this thing and I don't want to deal with AI. And you know what? Because we don't know what it's going to change. And then what's going to happen is it's going to creep in on this one thing, this second thing, and then we go, I can't see a world without it, Charlie. Like, can you see a world without the internet? Can I use some more examples of this? Let's do it. Have you been to the supermarket lately? Yes. You see all the checkout chicks, right? Uh, Minimal. (laughs) Interesting. So, automation, no? Like another thing that's kind of occurred there, which I I feel is a really interesting one. Have you seen supermarkets with the electric pricing? Now, have you seen those? I haven't seen these. Yeah, yet. so you know on the shelves where it's got like little pricing and stuff. Yeah, and like these new concept stores have got electric pricing where they can change it and then put the discounts on it. So someone doesn't need to go out and like stick the things. There you go. But you can adapt the pricing to it. But there's all these little things that come through. I think in a lot of times we forget how good the tools of online have become these days as well, right? Even tools we use like Active Campaign have to a degree replaced like mail delivery. Totally. So, uh, more than anything, I'm wanting to shape this idea is that AI and what's coming in front of us now is just another technology that stands to improve things. Yep. Uh, If you look retrospectively or backwards, this has been happening since forever. Like once upon a time, electricity was the technology that was coming in to change things. And everybody's knee-jerk reaction was, it's going to kill someone. Like, this is not, it's got no utility. It's not going to improve. And then we start people to go, oh my gosh, you can have a light at night. <laughs> can, can you imagine being the guy that's in there like, no, nah, I can't see this electricity thing yeah, taken off. Totally. But there, there are all those people. And then people's knee-jerk reaction is dangerous. And then what happens is there's one little thing it gets brought in on and everyone's like, how did we ever live without this before, Charlie? And that's the thing. It's just always, what is that first implementation? And then like, oh my gosh. And society always has to be ready for it as well. And I think society is ready for AI, unlike Google Glasses five years ago. Do you know what? I actually feel like that product would do much better today. They were, it was a great product too early. That's all it was. Society needs to be ready for the adoption and the change. And I think a lot of organizations, thanks to the big C or the pandemic thing that we had, where they're now going great, we're virtual. How do we become more profitable? This is one of those profitable things that comes through. I don't actually think they were too early. I think they were the wrong ones to do it. Can I explain why? All right, let's go. All right, I'm going to tell you what happens in this is like it's all about status. Okay. If Apple re- release glasses, it'll take off because it's know. a seen thing. If Apple release a car, it'll take off. To be seen as the Apple person that uses those things because it comes with status will work. If Google don't have that. Google isn't a status brand in the same way. I will agree on one thing. I think Google would have been stomped on if they had a camera as well. If they did not have a camera, like if their product person said the camera is the resistance point where other people think they're being recorded, remove that thing so people know they're not getting getting recorded, easily adoption. Disagree. You see, you only have to look at the fashion people wear today and the things they do for <laughs> in ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, for status and brand. Completely. If the right brand does it, it takes off and then adoption kicks in. If the wrong brand does it, it won't. Interesting. Because it's a glasses thing. It's a fashion thing. So would you imagine they came out with your bow? I'm very interested in this technology. <sighs> so I I'll really am. I, I would love to read my email whilst walking. That's where I think it becomes really interesting. Yeah, or it's, I, I do, and I do believe that that is going to be a, a next part of this wave. I really do. Have you? It's really interesting talking about these things because it's so obvious that we are so adaptive to change and supportive of change. And you can do the amount of times we've talked about how we change, like what we're doing in the morning, how we change and innovate in the businesses. Like our lens. Do you think that that is normal beyond people? Like most people, do you think they're sitting there going, "I love uncertainty. I love change. Bring it." All right, I can tell you why as well on this one. Yeah. I don't know the answer to this. If I had a button and every time you press that button, you made $100, would you keep pressing the button? Yes. Yeah, so you can see when you do something, you get a result. If it's a positive result, it reinforces that and you do it again. Yep. 
So you eat a food and you like the food, makes you feel good or whatever it is, you do it again. Totally. Right. So for us in our lives and for many business owners, when we change, has it led to a good thing? 99% of the time, yes. Yeah. So this is, in my case, I look at the both of us and say, are we common? Is that what most people do and how they feel about change? No. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. But is being different and highly adaptable serving us? 100%. So why would we stop doing it? Yeah, totally. But that's, it's just fascinating that that's not the norm. Yeah, so for a lot of people, they have the opposite experience yeah. where in their life, every time they've like stepped out and tried to be different or in their life when they've changed something, it hasn't been a good experience. So yeah. I'll use an example. Maybe you were someone that got a radical haircut. And you got stomped down for it, yeah. Yeah, you were different, trying to change, and then instead of that, you got called out and made to feel less than. What about outfits, like the emo kids and the cool kids and the hip-hop kids? And the- <laughs> Completely, yeah. if it didn't work for them. So if that's your experience in your youth, how adventurous for change are you going to be? How adaptable are you going to be where every time you've changed in your life previously… Everyone just stomped you down? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had that. Do you know I was a plumber and I changed into an internet marketer? It worked out really well for me. So I'm looking at this going, hang on. Wait a minute. Change is good. Totally. Every time I've changed, it's led to a new progression in my life. And like I've been able to create really powerful things on the back of change. So when I see change, I look forward to it. For the person that hasn't had that experience, they do not. Totally. And then I've just got this weird obsession with technology and it improving anyway. And I'm just like, oh Yeah, but you can God, use that as on. well. I'll yeah. bet in your life, you brought technology in, your life got better, and then you've connected the dots. Always. When I bring technology in, my life gets better. It's a, literally, and then it's just a compounding value. When I buy <laughs> Apple products, my life gets better. <laughs> that is why <laughs> I do like. Gosh, well, they've done the mecca, right? It's you, like you good product gone, and status. Have you ever gone to apple.com and like clicked on the devices and seen how many are listed? I did it like two months ago and it's like there's like way too many iPhones, way too many iPhones. I don't think you need to go to the website. Just come to my house. Oh my You'll find gosh. It. And I'm like, yeah, this is dangerous. All right, bringing this back one around though. So I, I think we both believe like a new wave is here. There's yes. finally a technology, and I say finally because what do they say? One comes around like every 10 years. Totally. And it's really been, it's been interesting to come to that point because you've still got these other ones that are nipping at the heels that I actually hope that they succeed at. So crypto and blockchain, sure. But you've got AR, augmented reality, which is like go and put glasses on and interact with things that don't appear within the world. Like and Pokemon Go was a really big one of this. And you go, okay, well, this is really interesting. Like if you're doing a surgery and you're looking at a patient before you cut them and you can see their organs and see everything like that to get the perfect cut, amazing. But then you've also got the other layer, which is like the Zuckerberg meta with like pure virtual reality. And these are things that I'm just like, they're on the horizon. Like I think it's- Well, they can all be. Uh, totally. And they and I'm like, so you've got this huge amount of potential change coming through. It's just AI is like the one right now that people are like starting to grasp to. So I'm like, this is how it's going to be as we go through that hockey stick of like change of technology. It's just going to be like, holy smokes, we've adapted and innovated quicker than ever before. So looping, let's just put them all in a bucket. Then. Yep. Let's just all say there's all these things. There's green technology. There's medical technology. Exoskeletons, please. Oh, I don't um, hang in. Yep. All this stuff that's coming in where the world's going to change. Like we can completely accept that. Looking forward then, right? What industries do you think are going to be the most affected? All right. I'm going to tell a bit of a story. Go for it. Yes. All right. So I've been very fortunate uh, through my enterprise SaaS company to be able to be part of big businesses and global businesses that are worth billions of dollars and making crazy money. And one of the businesses that I flew to Geneva, Switzerland to go and help them change their organization and innovate um, was a massive petroleum company. And oh, climate climate change <laughs> totally uh, green energy massive wave coming through and it was really interesting when i was talking to them and that we we're building out a five-year plan um and they were sort of playing it back to me and i said this is really interesting that you're investing in petrol and this was when like tesla's coming through and everyone's like oh my gosh the petrol cars go on and all these things and i'm like you're investing in this and he's like more than anybody else he's like because everyone's trying to get out and i'm like what do you mean He's like, so in developing in third world countries, 
he's like, a lot of people are trying to sell their petrol stations because they're not as profitable as doing renewables. Because oh, hold on, let's let's shape this up. So you're working with a company that is in, what do you say, the energy space? Energy space. Yep. Right. Because they do other things as well. But yes, energy. Yeah. And even though the industry that is hugely affected by technology is that cars are going electric in this example. So Tesla's out. Yep. Solar panels are in. Uh, the idea of getting into petroleum or these other things just doesn't make sense anymore. Yep. So you've got terminals that store uh, gas You've got and petrol. You've got uh, like direct-to-consumers, like retail outlets and stuff, and then it's like, buy them all. They're like, we want more. And they're being very specific of where they get it. And they're going into developing in third-world countries. I'm like, and they're actually sold out of the ones that they have in like first-world countries. All right. Hold that point there. I'm just going to check my iPad quickly Let's to make sure we are recording. No, we're still recording. Excellent check. Still recording on my side. Oh, it's still the fear of I can't see it recording like I am on camera, Grant. <laughs> All right. So anyway, coming back to this because I'm like, this is actually really interesting. I hope this is recording. So it's you've a- got a company that is directly going to be affected by green energy. Yep. And the way they're acting is the opposite of what you would expect. Even more so, I'm like, and you're getting out of these first world countries when like your value of these things are lower, like you would probably be not creating the ROI that you'd want to on the ones in the first world country. And I'm like, it makes no sense. He's like, ah. He's like, you got to understand the developing countries and third world countries won't innovate as quick to electric cars and to other like solar panels and all these kind of things as the first world countries. So well, I would go as far, they can't. You've got to build the cars. Totally. And so that was their view. And dude, they spent billions on this thing. And so they're like, so what we're doing is we're accumulating all these things because it's got a 20-year run. Might be a 30-year run. And so they're like, so everybody wants out now because no one wants others to have this. You don't want to be left holding the bag. Completely. And no one also, people also don't want it on their balance sheet. They don't want to be the ones with like these retail outlets to promote like gasoline and petrol and all these kind of things. And so like, this is great. We'll just go and pick up cheap assets that are cash cows for now. And we know that they've just got a finite life. And I'm like, and then what do you do? And he's like, well, it's great because... We take those profits and we've got another business in the renewable space for the first world countries. Amazing. That we're going to take all those profits in. We're going to raise money for that and then just pay down. <laughs> and I'm like, amazing. This is incredible. Like, so you're talking about, they're, they're like, they're playing both sides of the fence. And I'm not talking at a, this is not some guy coming up with like a brand new business. Like this is a global, one of the largest <laughs> privately owned companies. And this, this is strategy. And I'm just sat back and I'm just like, so you are playing the cigar butt strategy on a huge scale with decades to play and having your cake and eating it too. You're getting into renewables, which is the new wave of innovation. And you're playing on the cigar butt of a dying industry. You've just gone all the way to the end of who is the one that's going to last the longest needing this. Let's go and play there. What I find most interesting about this story is the idea that when technology comes in, there's interesting second-order consequences. So you might think all the money is going to be made in moving to renewables and starting new businesses in renewables in that example. Yep. But there's people out there going, hold on, all these assets got cheap. We know how to make money on all the companies wanted ditching petroleum-based innovation there. And like that becomes a part of the strategy. So you really have to to consider in that idea that if you know – businesses are about to be disrupted by AI or they're about to be disrupted by blockchain yep. or they're about to be disrupted by renewable energy. Renewable industry. Yep. Is there's a whole inverse to that industry and the value of those assets where you could suddenly be in a position where you could make more money going in the opposite direction. Totally. We love that so much. And, be- and before you go further, we need to shape up what a cigar butt strategy is. That's a valid point. All right. So most notably, this was made famous by Warren Buffett of all people. Love him. Um, so the idea being is you know there's a business that only has a couple of years left in them. Right? So the, you have the last blockbuster stores, right, to make a really interesting example. Yeah. The idea being is that you could own and operate those blockbuster stores and squeeze the last out of them, which is just like getting the end of the cigar butt, right? You're really trying to get every inch out of that cigar right down to the end to maximize the experience. Yep. So there is a whole... What would you even call this? It's not even an industry. Like, There's a whole business strategy that exists out there. There's individuals that basically 
buy these businesses knowing they've only got a couple of years left in them, or in your case, the petroleum thing, and their strategy is to make money on that, but they know they're exit. They're getting into that with the intention. It's like a business model where they're just so aware that they're going to be, they are going to be the ones holding the bag at the end. Yeah. Well, the value they create is letting the other person out. So they get a discount on it. And for someone who says, well, why would you do that type of thing? I'll, I'll give you another example here. Let's pretend you are buying a business that's in manufacturing that you know is going to go obsolete. In part of doing that, you might acquire the land or the vehicles and things like that, and you're going to sell all of that stuff down, and the potential owner doesn't have time for that. Yep. So you become like almost like a liquidator Completely. in that as well, which is really fascinating. I've, it is an industry, or we'll call it business model, that I think is <clears throat> like a silent little assassin. But it's you, what people don't look at, like... How many business owners do you know that like this AI thing came through and it's like, maybe I should start an AI business. Yeah. Or like people in crypto. Like we know quite a few people that are like, crypto is the next thing. As opposed to going, well, how do I extract the last remnants (laughs) of what is available to me? And it was like this massive eye opener to me of going, that is right. I agree. It's going to be an industry that it might not die completely, but it's definitely going to start decreasing in demand. Right, especially with renewables and energy becoming so cheap. And I'm like, it's just so interesting to see how someone's playing that strategy at that scale. It it blew my mind. I, <laughs> it was just an impressive conversation. Hugely so. And we've got to take note of this as well. You and I are successful today because we were early adopters of things. Totally. So I don't want to paint that in the wrong direction as well. Like uh, one of the things that got me to jump from being a plumber to being on the internet was that I had looked at the competition in starting a plumbing company. So in the idea that uh, plumbing is a very localized business, there's already so many plumbers in an area that are built up. If I started a plumbing business, like what edge or advantage do I have? Yeah. Right, I'm just another one in that pool, right? And there's more coming on all the time. And I looked at that and said, for the guy who's already got all his machinery and doesn't have to reinvest, he's already got apprentices and staff and systems, what am I going to do is just come into this and run harder. It puts you a unique sales proposition. <laughs> Completely. Yep. Where if I looked at the internet where there was no competition at that point, like I was a very early adapter looking back, um, and particularly I've told this story about uh, Facebook ads. I was yep. one of the earliest adopters of Facebook ads. My ad account number is like significantly less digits than anyone <laughs> Everybody else. Everybody else's. <laughs> um, because I was one of the first to get it. Put that up on the wall. Which is like, that's the ad account number. Dude, they're so long now. It's crazy how long ad account numbers are. It's like getting your Twitter handle or handle of like Charlie. <laughs> so like, I was that early. I was that early. <laughs> um, but the point being is like I got some big deals, not because I was Good. E- even decent at it. As if I was the only one doing it. Yeah, totally. So that was the advantage we took with technology. So I-, I would almost preface the idea you can win on both fronts of either like the opportunity that's come from a technology change and playing the cigar bot in your example yep. or being an adopter of these things and like leaning into it to a degree as well. Well, this was actually interesting because they actually spooled out a different entity to get into the renewable space and they raised a truck ton of money to dive deep into that trend, right? So they just played both strategies at the same time, <laughs> which I was like, that is, yeah, it was just impressive. What about you? What do you reckon are businesses that are going to be most affected? The ones that I have seen that I think are going to be the most strongly affected are going to be the, I'm going to almost put this into a bucket of like online activities. And I'm going to be more specific is I really see like certain content type businesses being affected. I see the SEO industry being affected. I see website development being affected. I see executive or virtual assistants being affected. Uh, I see writing being affected. Yeah. Like all of those types of things that are done online, I see there will be change. Support, like I think like customer support is likely to be affected in a really big way as well. Yeah. It, do you think that AI will actually unlock a whole heap of other industries that aren't technologically related? Yeah. So this, let's play through Charlie's uh, game here and I'll, I'll talk about this one in a really interesting one. Let's pretend right now you run a support center. Yep. Right. You've got 10 people on chats all day answering customer queries. I don't think that things like chat GPT replace that, that replace that now. We're not even close to that. That's not my concern. 
what I do think happens is that the way support centers work will be like, there's going to be this initial layer where people interact with, which is ChatGTP. And that's going to weed out all the simple stuff it knows how to solve. That's going to build a good neural net where it's like convincingly human and adaptable to what's coming in, where it's like, you see like chatbots today are pretty garbage. I think they're about to get really good. Yep. So you're in, engaging with Telstra, Commonwealth Bank, whatever it is. First layer is going to be there. The second layer to that now is going to be people that can prompt the AI to enhance it further. Yep. Right. So the idea being if someone comes in and there's a support thing that the AI can't solve, it's going to go up a level to a person who can solve that there. So I'm looking at that as like all the people that are doing support are now going to have this intense tool to utilize and be utilized, yep. which I think is really, really cool. So that's kind of one of the evolutions. If you're in uh, writing, for example, right, I think like spelling and grammar and all that stuff now is like it's not going to be a person checking it in the same way. Totally. I think that that type of thing is going to change in a huge way as well. I don't think it's going to be uh, writing books in the same way anytime soon still. I still think there's a human element to that that is still a number of years off. The J.K. Rowling's of the world will still need to be existent and uh, Stan Lee's will still need to be highly creative in order to go and produce the thing. The more creative the task is or the more input varied the task is, the less effective things like chat GPT are. Totally. That, that is my finding there. Um, moving this into like content world though, I can actually see that for a lot of people, whether they're video editors or writers, this is going to be something they use to enhance their own skills. Like something I actually struggle with a lot in my own writing or even the creation of this podcast is like banner blindness. Mm. I can't see my own work where I think this type of tool and thing is going to be something that kind of enhances those industries as well. Right. So uh, imagine it's like you've always got someone that can spot check you or quickly do research all of a sudden available to you. I, yes so that i can see being something um really really interesting and i would just look at this as i think for anyone who works online right now over the coming years these tools stand to be the things that take you from tony stark to iron man yeah that's what i really see coming in and i'm excited for i don't think if you like to a point it's like we've got a media company i look at it and go oh the tools are going to take over they're going to be like editing it all I don't believe that at all. I, I don't see it in that light as yet. Uh, maybe 10 years from now, who knows, 20 years from now, we'll see what comes from it. But I see these enhancements being really powerful to level up people in a huge way. Totally. And I think that it's actually going to be better for the consumers on the other side because it means that they're going to still get a better outcome from it. It might be at a high frequency. It might be at a high quality. It might be at a whatever it produces on any of those examples you walk through. It just means that consumers are going to be happier and it just sets the benchmark of what they're willing to accept at a higher standard. And so now it's like, great. Like It's like before when we used to accept super low, slow internet speeds. And now it's like, man, if, you don't, give, if you don't give me my 10, 100, 10 megabytes second, 100 megabytes second at my house, I got one gig. I'm like, that's my standard now. <laughs> I'm like, you can't go backwards on this. And I think that's going to be the best part about something like AI, which is just like, well, the standard is now just different. Like your benchmark and what you're willing to accept is just higher. I do feel it's going to be this new thing that comes out though, where it's like, and I've seen a couple of whispers of this already being like this business is doing it. Like and I'll share the example is like prompt experts, people who know how to work with these tools. Totally. Which is just, and this is hilarious. Do you remember when like people started first getting computers and you had to get like someone over to teach you how to use the yeah, computer? Yeah, CD slash folder name slash dot exe. Yes. Or when Google came out, people learned how to search on Google. <laughs> I think there's going to be a whole wave of prompt experts working with these tools initially. However, I don't see that lasting long. No. I think the tools get better at understanding different prompts That's, over time. It is just another wave. Yeah. Just like the internet tools we've got today have gotten better. Totally. So I think that's one of the interesting ones I look at um, that's going to be greatly effective. Uh, what's your next one on the list here? So I'm so outside of AI. You're right if I keep going outside of AI? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Sweet. Uh, I, I rewind this back to when I was buying a car. So like Hazel and I bought a brand new car. And I was very fortunate that my dad knew the head of HR of this car group. And that was like, they had like all these different brands like Nissan, Subaru, et cetera, that was all within it. Um, and I spoke to him. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, thanks for helping me out with a great price on a car. Um, car yard, tell me about dealerships. Like, where are these things going to land? And he's like, 
at the time it was like 10 years to run. What do you mean? He's like, well, what's happening is all the manufacturers are actually just doing manufacture to order. Completely. Tesla changed the game. And so I'm like, what, what happens to these things? And he's like, well, they've already started transitioning into becoming service centers. And he's like, so the buyers would just get ready to receive their car four weeks after they order it. And then they just drive it to a service center and the service center is the thing that updates it. And then it'll just be like a brand specific service center or if you want to like touch and feel the car before you go T- buy Totally. It. Well, to your point, we, we got some insider knowledge from this from someone we know that Mercedes no longer do dealership negotiation. Like the price is the price. Yeah. And it's so then it's like, well, how do these places make money? And it's like, well, you just become a preferred service center. So when something breaks, you go to the preferred service center, they've got the parts in order for them to fix it. But then it's funny because you fast forward it to like a business model or a concept like an Uber and you put it on top. And I'm like, at what point? And I've joked about this with you for probably five years of like my dream of never owning a car again would be like amazing where I could just like push apps and just go places. Of this whole transport of service <laughs> where it's like, well, maybe the car manufacturers then just go and lease their cars to like an Uber and just say, well, just go and have the cars. And like then it's just a completely different <laughs> solution to what we have now. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, C- Consider the idea that, it, well, if uh, self-driving cars becomes a thing, which there's people working on it, yep. the idea being that if the manufacturers are making the car and it can automatically drive itself is like you may just end up right, continually ride-sharing. Yep. With an automated vehicle. I can see that happening. Or you might end up in a scenario where maybe you still own it, but you don't even drive it. It drives you. And like it's I think there's all so these the, interesting or maybe you don't buy cars, you just lease them. So that was that was Tesla's approach is like you lease the car and then when you use the car, you actually put it back into like the app. And so the car will take you to wherever your destination is. You'll say, Hey, I want to get picked up at two PM. And for that four hours whilst you're doing something else, the car will actually take people on other trips like an Uber and then it will come and pick you up at the 2 p.m. And the whole concept is that through the payments that these other people make in sitting in your car, it'll actually pay off your lease on the car. And so like, so this whole business model can fundamentally change. But it's really interesting where I'm just like, that whole concept of transportation full stop, I think will go through waves of these changes, especially if like self-driving cars get through policy and actually become reasonable and everyone accepts it etc that wave of 20 years is just going to be insane i've just gone well car dealerships have now changed the way you buy cars changed the way you service cars changed the da, 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 as you get to the end of and i just go maybe the concept of owning a car doesn't exist in 20 years <laughs> maybe like you having your souped up v8 in the in the garage is just like a toy now like it's like no it's like not common C- completely oh <clears throat> shadow kitchens are becoming a thing oh I do like it. Yeah, so it's another one with yeah. like uh, Uber's changed things. The way we even the way we order food now, like mm-hmm. you don't ring up anymore. You use the apps for things in a much bigger way. Like change is an inevitable part of being in business. I think because I'm curious, investing. What do you reckon is going to change in investing? Do you know what you said it earlier about? What do I think blockchain might change? The thing I would love it for change. If someone can be out there working on this right now, I would appreciate it. <laughs> Is the way settlement of property works <laughs> and the transaction of titles. You just went to like the most pain on buying an investment property. Just solve that for me. Yeah, I, it's barbaric. It is trash. It's not even barbaric. The barbarians would be disappointed as to how it is. Do you know the thing that really grinds my gears with this whole like crypto blockchain community? is like they're trying to solve problems that don't need to be solved in a lot of cases. They're like, oh, you can transfer money instantly. I'm like, yeah, I can do that with the ComBank right now. What is it? Osco does that perfect. Yeah. So you mean, oh, I'm going to go through the painful process of getting my money out of a bank account and into crypto. Painful. Then I'm going to transfer it where it's like I, there's no insurance. I can't call someone for help. Is these like all these warnings around you put the wrong number in and all this stuff to then instantly send it to when then another person has to wait two days to get that money out of crypto because their bank is a mic. You're not helping me. You're making it harder. Yeah. So like ComBank does that excellently well now. Stop trying to solve that. That doesn't solve anything. Have you ever thought it's a solution looking for a problem? Yes. <laughs> I, w- I will say the international payment thing that like, uh, th- uh, is it Thrift? I want to say Thrift. Yeah. A Swift. Swift, sorry. Yeah. Um, that Swift does. That's a great idea. Solve that. 
Yeah. Um, and I also think that um, there's several other things in the like peer-to-peer lending. Excellent. Solve that. Solve them as well. I think they're they're great ones. But again, stop trying to solve the things that already we have good solutions for blockchain industry. The thing that sucks, quoted, is how hard it is to settle on a property today. It's like the whole process of getting lending from a bank to the property actually settling takes weeks. Have you ever had it? Charlie's going to settle at 2 p.m. today. And have you ever looked at that going, I am confident that house will be settled at 2 p.m. on that day? So this is where I look at the technology is like and going, okay, layering a few things here. If te- the technology gets good enough where instantly I can know my borrowing power. Yep. Right, which I should be able to do. The bank just simply collects information and says, yes, you can borrow or no, you can't borrow. Yeah. As, as long as you can input that stuff and they can verify it, bang, you should know your borrowing power. Yep. Then if someone else has the property, the title could be verified on the blockchain. Yes, they own this. And they can intend a transaction with me. Funds can be there. It can all be done in this beautiful motion where buying a property could be like buying a cup of coffee. It need not be this complex thing. And I would, I'd love it if someone would solve that. Sincerely, Charlie Bello. I think it'll come. <laughs> a lot of things like that, I think, stand to benefit from this next wave and a huge thing. One, but, of, the, one of the exciting things that I'm looking forward to, in, um, especially in investing, is like property management and trying to and insurance on top of it. And just a better way. I just feel like that's just clunky at the moment. Like, there's just too much variables between a good, really good property manager and a, not a great property manager. And the way that uh, whether it's inspections or getting an update on how your property is going or getting an update on how your rent's going, etc., I think would just be better through like a, just a better piece of technology. So what if I said that's already changed dramatically? Uh, no, I know it's already changed. I just still think it's not great compared to what it was. I am in love with our property managers doing walkthroughs with videos because like I'm not going to get to Queensland or something to go do a routine inspection and I probably wouldn't do that either. I'm scrolling 50 pages of photos. Where are you getting videos from? Pro tip. Pro tip. (laughs) This is outrageous. Maybe it's already here and my guys just don't do it. But they're the types of things where technology is doing it. But I want to shift this conversation, (laughs) Grant, because I I think that we can bring this into something that is uh, really interesting. I think everyone has to acknowledge that they're going to be affected by technology in some way. Totally. The degree to that is what makes it interesting. How do you think someone should be approaching this next wave of technology as it comes in? So I think the first thing is try to get over your knee-jerk reaction as quick as humanly possible. The end of day shit? Yeah, totally. Like the Yes, the lives that we live will change quicker than ever before, 100%. Like with the amount of technology that's coming and the speed and rate of change, it, we will all go through what I call change fatigue, where you're just like, just stop fucking changing. Let me just like normalize this. It's just how it's going to be. So just be supportive of it and be accepting of how that would impact your business. I think, I think the second that you get over that knee-jerk reaction, and, and you know what? Take the week, take the month to go, Fuck AI, like this sucks. Like, just wait, wait, I, do, I do wonder if anyone's shut down a business off a knee jerk reaction. Totally seeing like, Chat GTP recently or anything. Like, like, just don't act on it. Just like vent, vent your anger elsewhere, and then once you've gotten through it, then step into the next stage of going. Great, do two parts to it, and I don't care which one you pick up first. The first, uh, second one, or whichever one, is look internally. And go, where can AI improve what we currently deliver? And well, this could be any technology. It doesn't have to be AI. Agreed. So where can technology or innovation in general, right? Where can that improve what I'm currently doing to deliver the service or the product or whatever I'm doing, right? Like in SaaS, we use uh, GitHub now to help write code for us, which is just AI on top of code. So developers actually just get it to build like a base level of code. It's like, awesome, go and use it. It's 10 bucks a month, no worries at all. But it's like, so in your code development in your services maybe it's writing content for you or reviewing your content for you it's a, there's so many different ways to approach it and so firstly is how do you improve your delivery but then the second side is how do you improve your service or product offering to somebody else C- can i throw one in on this Go for it. i think it's imperatively important to not only be open-minded to this technology and being encouraging of innovation to have dedicated time to play with it mm. and test it and use it I think the business owners that – I'll put it this way. 
two business owners are sitting there. One spends an hour every week testing and trying new ideas and leaning into technology and one doesn't. Five years from now, where are they, where are they at? I totally. I was like, what was my Thursday the other week? <laughs> I was looking into this. Like it yeah. was- the people who resist is, uh, and uh, actually, no, I am going to talk about this. Bianca is a tech resistor. Yeah, so, um, and I am very, what would, you, what would you go on the reverse of that? A tech insister? I think I'll go with I that. I insist on it. I just insist Yeah, on I will tech. try and look at new technology continually. Yeah. Um, bring it into everything. Even our golf experience right now, I'm looking at uh, mobile launch monitors. <laughs> I I'm looking at like watches to track my movement. Like yeah. I'm very into the progression of innovation of things. I, I enjoy it. Totally. Right. So what's interesting though is like over the span of uh, the time I've been with Bianca, which is like coming out to like 13 or 14 years, she's resisted some of these things and I haven't and there's a gap that's formed. Yeah. And I look at that and go, that's you and your competition in business. Yeah. If you are the resistant person to technology, you're that guy that didn't get on the internet, right? And you resisted using it. And then it's become so integrated into life now that those other people got a couple of year head start on you and you never got that back. Yeah. I, lo- I, I love that. The interesting part is I know you and I go out there to go and seek these solutions. And sometimes like the only thing that people have is Google. And they're like, so they'll Google like the solution they're looking for. Uh, we've talked about it a lot, which is being part of the communities of people who run similar businesses to you. And, <laughs> and I would go location independent. So, for example, if you've got a podcasting company, like, like a media company that edits podcasts, it's like go and be part of groups of people who do the same in Europe, in US, in Australia, et cetera, and see how they are utilizing it to help them. Like what are they doing to make their service better? How are they tweaking their offering? How are they doing X, Y, and Z? Because then it's like you're doing your research, they're doing theirs, and you're all coming together and you go, this seems to be a really good solution because it will continue to evolve and it will continue to change and you need to dedicate your time but also other people to bring it in as well. Well, trade shows and conventions and events play a big thing in this. I've been to numerous ones and I remember going to some in like the fitness industry where they've always got like the new protein powder or whatever it is. I, I do feel it is worth it. So kind of two on that one, I kind of feel is like be around other in the industry and know what's going on. Pay attention to that because I think it is imperatively important. But then the second side of that is like the events. The tra- like there are com- like you got to remember these companies that are building this innovation, they are marketing it. They're trying to find you and show you these things. <laughs> so they're not hiding. Yeah, they're not hiding it from you. Like they actually want you to improve. No. <laughs> Yeah, I concur. The are, are we kidding here? Do we not? Are we not looking at this right now? Has Chat GPT just not pulled off this ball and move? Of going, we'll release this thing free, and then we'll go to Microsoft and see if they'll buy us. Dude, totally. What a power play Dude, to market their product. You know when they came out with it, they were spending three million dollars a day on compute power. I reckon they spend like six million bucks a day, seven million bucks a day on compute power now. Like how many businesses can just go, ah, it's three million bucks. Don't worry about it. We'll just spend that in a day. I tell you what, we'll come, I don't want to make this episode just about <laughs> just, chat GPT. I mean, it, is, it, totally is the, it is the relevant thing totally. within it, but it's as the business owner being adaptive to that. How, how do you think about the idea when something comes along where it's like you've, let, let's say someone's followed these two things. They've been, they've been going around and seeing some things that, that are innovative. They're now, you know, going to some conventions or networks, paying attention to it. They're playing with it. At what point do you start to look at some of these innovations and start to make more serious change in your business? It's an interesting question. And the caveat that I was going to put towards the end of all of it, just because there is a new innovation or a new trend coming through does not mean you burn the bridges and burn the boats. Adoption curve. Like, like it's not as like, oh my gosh, crypto, screw my good business. I'm going to go into that. Like, no, like that... That should not be your initial change. Should not be that's going to be a better opportunity. I'm just going to find any business and dive into it. It should look to how can that potentially improve my current business and just not knee jerk out into something else. <laughs> like that's like the 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 best thing that I can say. But then the the other part is so that's basically the Google Glasses story. They okay. innovated too hard. They went too early. They didn't have the status to pull that off. And then it's like you actually jumped it and it ends up a burn. Totally. Or we know people that have had YouTube channels and podcasts and there's like new thing, pivot, like literally. Uh, oh, do, do you change. know where I've seen this as well? Yeah. I've seen people when they're, when offshoring first became a thing 
and they were like, I love the idea of hiring people in the Philippines as an example rather than hiring people in Australia. And they migrated the entire change really quickly and really suddenly and didn't think of the repercussions of like brownouts, the wet season. All right. So Typhoons, things like, yeah, yeah, like there's things you d- uh, have to deal with where the Philippines is much better for internet infrastructure these days, I might say. We don't experience nowhere near the challenges we used to experience there. Totally. Um, but it's like I've seen them actually like go too innovative or too progressive into new technologies or new ways and it's ended up like shooting them in the foot. Totally. And I just, I, I think it's too risky, but also, uh, and we, we've covered this quite a lot, is like it's one thing to jump on a business being the first one in and there's going to be a lot of apps out there that are going to get a lot of uptake from this like chat gpt is like one of the greatest examples it's got so many users now which is fantastic so anything that they want to put on to have people pay great you're going to do quite well from it but if you're thinking that you're going to jump on to a mega trend and that's going to be the thing for the next 30 years of your life that you're going to be able to take home maybe not but you kind of highlighted this on before though because there's a distinction in some of the things you've mentioned here is like Let's say you're in, uh, I'm going to use a really easy example. Actually, I've got to frame, I've got to think about this. I think there's a difference in like adapting technology and innovation into your current business versus burning your business to the ground to become the new technology. So, for example, we know numerous people that had good reasonable businesses, got excited by crypto, went all in on crypto and then destroyed the business they had. Yep. So they jumped because they felt the new innovation was a better vehicle. That's exciting. Completely. But that's very different than someone saying, how can I use blockchain technology to enhance my current business? Totally. Totally. And so, yeah, that's the only cabinet I'll put on top. It's just like, try not to burn the boats and (laughs) jump into it as a business idea. Utilize it to improve. It can be very attractive at times. Totally. But that's a... That's a, once you do that, you can't go back. <laughs> like that's a, oh my gosh, yes. Um, but no, so that's totally how I think about like if I was in a business where like uh, technology was changing something, um, knee-jerk reaction immediately, looking at how it can enhance my product outward, how it can enhance my operations inward. And then I'd go, well, how can I continue to iterate and change so that I'm at least at the forefront and just becoming more adaptable and susceptible to implementing that change? Because this is just going to be rapid. This is not a, oh, wow, a new tool. Let's go and leave that there for three years. This is going to be a, oh, wow, a new tool. Let's put it in. Oh, wow, a new tool three months, six months later. Let's put that in as people come out with better models, as people come out with different ideas, et cetera. Like, the, this, the rapid state of change that the world's going to go through with technology is just going to be so fast that that is going to be the unique advantage of business owners now is their ability to implement that speed and rate of change into their business to provide. <laughs> I take it. <laughs> it's a lot to digest because it's so circumstantial as well because there was the guy there that had the blockbuster store mm-hmm. and it's like legitimately you're going to be winding up versus for others that's not the length they're at totally. so i totally get it but let's round this one out from here i think we've uh discussed it from there hammered at home hammered at home technology is your friend be one of the people that does innovate be the innovator i totally. that's the message here totally uh just want to say thank you very much for joining us uh we do have an email newsletter i don't know if i've told you charlie no joke i've never mentioned it before it's a hundred and something episodes in uh, so the link is businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. If you want to go and put in your name and email, we'll notify you every single time we'll release one of these episodes. I'm still not signing up. Ah, <laughs> one day. <laughs> I just want to say thanks. We'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing. <laughs>